Praise the Lord. Come on, I want you to give Jesus a hand of praise. Now listen, the world is facing some of the darkest times in human history. And the Bible says that the enemy is like, he's an adversary and he walketh around like a roaring lion. Right? I was on Methodal Mile. We've been there. We've been in, in the city. We've, we've been uh, made multiple trips. And you can see the darkness, the same darkness that is in South Africa, same darkness that is in Los Angeles, is the same darkness that is here, and the spirit of the Antichrist is running loose. But I, want, I got something to tell you. If you're at home viewing, did, do you know what stops a roaring lion? The lion of Judah. The only thing that could stop a roaring lion is another lion. So my friend, Lion of Judah, you have to let the enemy know that there is a lion in the city of Boston that's not going to stand back, that's not going to say, we're okay with what's taking place, we're going to reach her. Am I in the right place this morning? Pastor, Pastor said that this is a Pentecostal church, so when Pentecostal preachers preach, we expect you to preach back. Can I get an amen? And if you're at home, we want you to know that God has something special for you. And we are so, so privileged to be here in this beautiful congregation. In fact, look at your neighbor and tell him, man, you look good this morning. And before we um, jump into God's word and share with you about the ministry, because we, we, want, we want you to pray with us as God is preparing the way and directing our steps to come into not only Boston, but all of New England. We want to impact all of New England because there is a great need within the cities um, on the East Coast as well as in America. But I want to thank um, Pastor Miranda and his wife, Pastor Mercedes, so much for friendship and just the welcome, the warmth. I had Dominican food for the very first time on Friday night. And they said, I will truly speak in tongues now. And, um, you know, we're, I'm Mexican um, by birth, so all we know is refried beans, but those beans were amazing. And uh, the hospitality, the warmth, Sister Evelyn, Obi, who's a very, very good friend of mine. And all the partnerships, um, Chaplain Carlos, just tremendous time with you yesterday. The ministry God's using you to do. He's from San Bernardino, California. Amen. Which you think Methadone Mile is bad. We go to San Bernardino, California, and you want to come to Methadone Mile. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but this morning, um, our ministry was founded... Um, through David Wilkerson. I don't know if you're familiar with David Wilkerson, who was a Pennsylvania preacher, country preacher, that one day he seen an article in his table in his home in Pennsylvania, had a 200-member church, great tithes and offering, and he felt, a, he felt a, a, a uneasiness within his spirit and started to pray. And one day seen a Time magazine on his coffee table, and it said the gang epidemic in New York City. And he felt that God was calling him to New York City, went there with nothing, started reaching the gang members in New York at that time, and he reached a young man by the name of Nikki Cruz. How many of you know Nikki Cruz? And Nikki Cruz, uh, you know, if you read his book, Run Baby Run, or you read Cross on the Switchblade, tells the story of how David Wilkerson had to repeatedly go after this young man. In fact, Nikki Cruz stabbed him. And David Wilkerson replied when he stabbed him was, you could cut me in a thousand pieces, but every piece will cry out, Jesus loves you. And Nikki Cruz, when they started Team Challenge, um, reached our founder, which, who was a heroin addict in the streets of New York City. And God got a hold of their lives. Revival broke out. And, and 
David Wilkerson and Nikki Cruz said, we got to get Sonny out of here. They sent him to California to Bible school. And when he was in California, he said, I, you know, God delivered me from so much that I didn't want to just go back and get an education. Although education is very good. He said, I had to do something while I was getting educated. So he started going to the streets of East Los Angeles, where I'm from, which was gang infested, drug infested, murder, violence. I mean, you name it, prostitution, um, just, uh, just generations of violence. And he began to see a great need there and started, God spoke to him, I want you to start a church for drug addicts and their families. Because, because we see that it's not just the drug addict that's impacted, but it's the family that's impacted. The mother and father, the brother that's in college, the, 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 the businessman that doesn't have an answer for his son or a daughter. And he's seen the need. And that's what we, we call, we have what we call victory homes. Because, uh, where they're able to go in for one year. Those that want to get off drugs that are dealing with substance abuse. And they're able to get their lives together. God gets a hold of them in that, in that victory home. It's a recovery home. They don't pay one cent. God gets a hold of them places a calling on their life if they have to go back to their families and be the providers or if the call to ministry comes and it has been for over 50 years that God has raised up men and women in the ministry of Victory Outreach through our Victory Homes which I am a product of and I'll share a little bit of our Victory Home um, God I graduated I don't know if I graduated they kicked me out because <laughs> I was a hardhead I don't know if there's any the people that are hard to they call we call them EGRs in our ministry you know what an EGR is extra grace required I needed extra grace my pastor put up with me when I was raw and I thank God for the men of God that seen something in me when I when I didn't when I didn't see nothing in myself I'm a little emotional this morning because I really feel a burden for this city and I could even last night as I was laying down the mind the people coming to my mind and there's a great work to do here in the city and we want you to know not just victory outreach but you're a part of that great work Look at your neighbor and say, there's a work for us to do. And um, I also want to take this time to thank my pastors, Pastor Sonny and Sister Kim. We love you so much. And also our founders, Pastor Sonny Sr. and Sister Julie. You know, we would not be here if God did not place that heavenly vision in your heart. So we thank you, pastors. We love you. And then lastly and not least, they say behind every great man, or just every man, is a great woman. Splendid woman magnificent woman beautiful woman and i thank god for my beautiful lovely wife and um i love you very much amen so listen we have a video we want to show that will kind of give you an understanding of what takes place or what has happened and god is using victory Arch right here in boston even though we're not here yet and then also you can hear some live testimonies and i'm going to show the word and we're going to believe god for him to move in a powerful way are you ready remember i'm going to preach but you got to preach back can i get an amen can I get a preach it on this side? Okay, we're going to get that. I'm going to warm you up. Go ahead and turn that video on and pay attention to the screens. Hello, I'm Pastor Danny Carrera, and I am from the ministry of Victory Outreach. And over 20 years ago, I came into the ministry, a drug addict, a young gang member, with no purpose and no hope. And as I went into that recovery home, God was able to transform my life and place a calling upon my life. And for the last 20 years, I've been pursuing what God has for me. And you're about to see testimonies right here from the city of Boston and the surrounding communities of men that have been transformed by the power of God through the ministry of Victory Outreach. Hi, my name is I'm Tony Young, and I'm, I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. Hi, my name is Lydia Miranda. My name is Hilson. I'm Kevin. I came to the United States of America four years ago. Hi, 
My name is Leo Mahoney, I'm 35 years old and I'm originally from Rockland, Massachusetts. Hi, my name is Tina, um, I'm from Brockton, Massachusetts. Um, I grew up in a, a Cape Verdean household. I had no purpose, I had no plan for my life, but you know, God came in and he, he changed me. My parents were, were both murdered back to back and Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. And, that's when God really started to get a hold of me when I, I finally got locked up and I, I went to jail and God got a hold of me in jail and, and he just gave me a plan for my life and I, I came to Victory Outreach just over 23 years ago and, and got, went into the men's home, the Victory Homes and, and he did a work in me, he, he changed me, he delivered me, he set me free, he healed my heart, he healed my mind and, and whatever he's done for me, I'm sure he can do it for you, amen. And it got to a point that I didn't even want to live no more. And I remember one day sitting in a hotel room doing a lot of cocaine, heroin. I got to a point that I asked God, if you don't help me, just take me because I don't want to live no more. And I remember that day, I could sense the spirit of God. I came to Arizona where I heard about this place called the Victory Outreach Home. And right there, God began to do a work in my life. All of a sudden, I began to have hope. Things began to change for me. All of a sudden, my family began to come, come back into my life. My children came back into my life. I'm here to tell you today that God is so good. That the same way that God changed my life, He could change your life. It was, um, there was a lot of uh, abuse, a lot of um, verbal abuse. Uh, there was some sexual abuse. Uh, I just grew up um, very depressed. Um, I had no self-esteem. I just, I just had no self-worth. I always just, I just wanted to die all the time. I was just always su suicidal, always depressed. Um, my drinking got really out of hand. I, I struggled with, with drinking my whole entire life. Um, the last 10 years, it got so bad. I went to um, different rehab centers. Nothing helped. God um, just really touched my life. Um, he saved me. He just rescued me. Um, I feel completely delivered from depression. I'm no longer suicidal. Um, I just. I just, I just don't even know how to thank God for the miracles that He's done in my life. I never had any hope. For the first time in my life, I have hope. I see a future. Um, I just, I, I just want to help other women who are struggling with um, alcoholism, who are struggling with low self-esteem, who are struggling with um, suicidal thoughts. And I just want to let them know that there's hope. I, I was broke. I didn't have any money. And I found myself stealing uh, cough medication just to get high. It sounds ridiculous. But, you know, we get to those levels where people cast you aside. They say, once a drug addict, always a drug addict. And because it hits home, you just do what you need to do to get high to forget about the world, to forget about all the pain that's out there, all the hurt that we see every day. That church right there, they relied on the power of God. They 
looked at me, they loved me, they cared on me, gave me purpose and vision. And it was all centered around Christ and the Word of God. They loved on me. They didn't say I was an outcast. Instead, they welcomed me with open arms so that today I can sit here and tell you that I'm a federally employed man, a husband to a beautiful wife, a father to two beautiful kids, and I'm finishing up a bachelor's degree in Christian ministries. And none of it would have been possible without the radical transformation that Christ gave me and how the nurturing and discipleship of Victory Outreach helped build me into the man that you see today. So I thank God for Victory Outreach that he designed a church specifically for people just like me and for a family just like mine. Thank you and God bless you. And since I get here, I started using drugs, a lot of, a lot of kind of different drugs um, that make me down. Like, I was in cocaine for the first, but I became using crack, and that really put me down. I lose my family because they lose, lose the respect and all trust in me. I lose my wife, and it was so hard for me. That's not... not life for me and thank God I, I heard about the, the reality home in Phoenix by my, my uncle my uncle the director and he even know about what I was was through like but I talked to him I said uncle I need the help I need the, I need to do different because that's my life I want to live. I want different life, different future. And thank God, thank my uncle. Uh, I'm here now in Phoenix, Arizona, in my reality home. And right here, I, I heard a lot about Jesus. And now I'm living different life. And I just wanna I just wanna say like Jesus saved me and he can save you too. Praise the Lord. Come on, give Jesus a hand of praise. Now those are testimonies from here and they're in our different homes throughout the United States. And we're believing God for many, many more of those individuals to come and to get their lives transformed. And for God to elevate them. You experience redemption lift when you come to Christ. When I came and I'm sure I have nothing, but God began to lift me up. And now I'm a contributor. Instead of a taker, how I many you know that sometimes when we were living a certain life, we took. But then it became a point where God was allowed me to give what was given to me freely. But I, I have a few testimonies. Don't they look good? Give them a hand. You didn't see them when they came in. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to have my wife go last. So I was going to have her go first. But I want Sister Daisy to come. And they're going to share a brief testimony. Her and Matt are from our Victor Arch West Valley, which is, how many of you have ever seen the Karate Kid? 
right? The city of Reseda, that's where they're from, the karate kid. I'm just but go ahead, why don't you share briefly, and then, and then I'm going to pass the race share. Hi, everyone. God bless. Uh, may God bless you guys. Um, first off, I want to thank the Lord for my salvation, for his keeping power upon my life. Um, my name is Daisy. I'm 28 years old. Um, before I came to Christ, I was a young girl. I grew up in a broken home, a dysfunctional home. I was broken. I was lost. I had no purpose in my life, and that led me to drug abuse, uh, to alcohol abuse. I grew up in the streets, like he said, uh, Reseda. Reseda has a rival gang. I grew up in the city of Canoga Park, which is right there in the West Valley. Um, I was looking for love in all the wrong places. You know, I was, I was hurting inside. I was a sad girl with no purpose. Uh, but one day, a man named Jesus, Jesus found me. He picked me up. He restored me. And it was through the ministries of victory and outreach that God touched and transformed my life. And he has now redeemed me. He has been merciful and faithful to me. Now he has placed a calling upon my life. And that's to reach uh, treasures out of darkness, people that are lost and bound by drug abuse, by alcohol. He has now uh, redeemed me. Now he's using me in my local church in the West Valley, Victor Outreach of the West Valley. Now I'm there working with young girls. I'm a youth leader in my church. I just love what God is doing in my life and seeing how God is moving and transforming other people, letting the captives be free. Amen. So it's just a blessing to be here now. I would have never thought I would be here in the city of Boston. You guys have such a beautiful city, beautiful people, and it's just a blessing to see what God has uh, been doing in my life. I've been uh, sober for three years this year. I'm going to be four years sober, but again, it's by the grace of God. Amen. And again, God bless you guys. God bless you guys. My name is Matthew. I'm 24 years old. And I thank God for my salvation. I thank God because the, the Victor Outreach came to my neighborhood and into Los Angeles. And they brought me into the men's recovery home where God touched my life. I was a young drug addict gang member. But Jesus Christ touched my life. He gave me a purpose. All I did is came with a box of clothes into the Victor Outreach home. But God gave me a, a, a ministry. I'm called to be an evangelist for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm called to travel the four corners of the world and preach the gospel and hope and message that Jesus Christ has. I'm so thankful that I went through the home. If he wasn't through the home, I don't know where would I be at today. I would have probably been in jail. I would have probably lost my mind in drug addiction. I would have probably been dead in the street corners, man. I, I came into the home at, at 18 years old and, and God touched me at a young age, man. I just want to thank God for the victory outreach man's home, man, where God gave me a vision and a purpose for my life. God bless you guys. God bless you. My name is Pastor Ray. And the way I got saved was a very hard way. <laughs> I know God has been calling my life from a very young age, and I didn't know it. But I grew up in the streets of East LA as well. And I found myself one day getting shot. Four bullets, two in my stomach, one right here in my shoulder, one in my back. I ended up dying in that hospital. The doctors walked away to go tell my mother and my brother that that was it. The nurse that stays behind to clean the body began to remove things. And as she walked away, eight minutes later, my heart came back to life with nobody there except the Lord. God did a Lazarus in my life. He rescued me. He delivered me. And it took time. It took about a year and a half for me. But I walked down to a church by the name of Victory Outreach. Amen. That met me there. 
that said that we have a place for you by the name of the Victory Homes. Hello. And they sent me to this Victory Homes. And I'll tell you this much. I haven't left since. I'm still in the home. Hello. No. I say that because I help now oversee our region, the region I belong to, five homes. I help the, the regional pastor there as one uh, as a, a, a assistant right there. I'm also a, a associate assistant for my pastor that sent me. Pastor Ben, Sister Laura, God bless you. I love you. My wife as well. I love you, sweetheart. But I'm just so grateful to be here to share with my friends, Pastor Danny, Sister Eileen, to know that this city, this city needs victory outreach. These streets need victory outreach. They need to hear the hope out in Miracle Mile right there that God is able to change a drug addict, that God is able to deliver the broken, the lost, the oppressed. They're not lepers. They're men and women of God in the making. And I just want to say thank you, Boston, for choosing the right couple. Thank you, Lord, for choosing the right couple. God bless you. Come on, give them a hand. Now, Matt never left his little neighborhood in L.A. Matt, raise your hand, Matt. He, he's been to Amsterdam, right? Not Amsterdam. Now he's been, he was a part of our team in Amsterdam. Now he's in Boston. Look what God's able to do in a young man that surrenders his life. Me and Pastor Ray, we used to be enemies. He didn't like me. He said, sometimes I still don't pass around kids. <laughs> and then now to see him married, we know his beautiful wife, who also went through our recovery home, our victory home. And has two beautiful, he has two beautiful sons, right? Is this two boys? And he's helping his pastor right there. And his pastor is going to be a part of this launch as we launch a church and a recovery home. And not only recovery, but also a youth ministry because we believe in intervention and prevention. We want to get them before they even go that way. How many of you know that we want to see them go to college? And we want to see them, but not just go to college. We want to see them impact their college and not let the college impact. Am I in the right place this morning? Are there any Holy Ghost, devil-stomping Christians in the house this morning? Come on, Chaplain Carlos, are you with me? <laughs> but also, lastly, I just, real quick, and I'm going to share the word, and I promise I'll have you at lunch by about one-ish. I'm just kidding. Everybody's like, man, Pastor, um, I want my beautiful wife to come give a word of greeting, and um, isn't she lovely? Amen. Good morning. We are so happy to be with you, our, our family here in Boston. Thank you so much, Dr. Miranda and Pastor Mercedes. We are so excited to be here along with Evelyn. Thank you for your hospitality and Obi. And we felt the hospitality, the love, the warmth from you. And we're just so blessed to be here in Boston and to come and to partner with you and to learn from you, see what you're doing here, and that we can bring our ministry here also. And at 19 years old, I gave my life to the Lord. I wasn't a heavy drug addict. What I did was I started dabbling with weed and a little bit of speed here and there. But God got a hold of me at 19 years old, and I've never left the Lord. I'm 45 years old now, but I can tell you something about the power of God. We have been around the world witnessing the Lord, healing the drug addict, healing the suicidal, healing the depressed, healing people and saving them from the snatches of hell. And what we have seen all around the world, we've seen Muslims get saved, Indians get saved, South Africans get saved, people all around the world because of the power of God. 
And we know this, that Boston is on the heart of God. That Boston is on God's mind. And what God is going to do in that Miracle Mile, what God is going to do on the East Coast, what God is going to do in Boston, He is going to do it now and He's going to do it soon. And we're just so excited to come and to partner with you and to see the great and mighty things that God is going to do as He sends revival here to Boston. Do you believe it? God's about to send revival and we are a part of it together. Amen. God bless you. We love you and thank you once again for having us this morning. Man, she could preach this morning. Amen. Um, I also want to thank Pastor um, Brands, correct? And I met your wife. Is that your wife, Charlotte? That's a beautiful name. She, I said, what's your name? She's like, Charlotte. I'm like, wow. And uh, also on um, Pastor Sam, who was on the streets with us, pretty courageous. He was out there. He didn't care. And I was like, I was watching him. I was like, all right. I like that. Um, amen. But I want you to turn your Bibles to the book of John. And, and before I read, I, I want you to stand because we're going to stand for God's word just briefly. And as you do that, I want you to keep a few things in prayer. We, we're, we're believing God for we're going to bring a team in. Prayerfully by June or July of next year for, to live here. We are looking and praying for a ministry house, multiple rooms, and also a, a, a recovery home facility. So pray with us. We know that God is able to provide and to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. So can you pray with us? Can you pray with us? Because maybe you say, well, I'm not a drug addict, but I'm sure you know somebody that's been affected by drugs. You know a family, you know a friend, you know a cousin, you know an uncle, you know somebody. And maybe you're here and you have been affected by drugs. Well, we're believing God that we're going to be able to come in and really, really provide an atmosphere where God's able to get a hold of lives and break chains and to see a great, great and be a part of a great revival that is here in the city of Boston. So pray with us. Also, I have a special request. Um, you know, as we're coming, my children, we just came back. We've been two, a little bit over two years back from South Africa. And uh, my two sons, um, you know, they're on my heart, really heavy. They're musicians, but they need to have an encounter with God. They're teenagers, young teenagers. And, um, and so pray with me. Their names are Daniel and Joshua. Pray that God will really get a hold of them. And, as, and they came to Boston. They loved it. Amen. Of course, they love the duck tours, you know, the tourist parts. Amen. But we're going to believe God that God's going to use them here in this city. But I want you to turn your attention to John 6.44. And I want to thank the keyboardists, and after the scripture, you could, you could go after the scripture, okay? John 6, 44, the word of God reads, For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. Father, this morning we ask for you to anoint every ear, whether they're here in the sanctuary, whether they're viewing online, or whether, Father, they haven't come yet. We ask you to prepare the way, make the crooked places straight, prepare an army, raise up an army in the city, God, that is going to counter, that is going to be on the offensive of any darkness, of any principalities. Raise up a courageous, courageous move of, of believers that are going are to say, you know what, I am not going to stand for anything that is contrary to God's word. We are going to proclaim the faith that, you, that we have in you, Jesus. We pray right now for the power of your Holy Spirit to begin to fill our lives fresh and anew. Bring revival in Jesus' name. And everybody says, I've entitled this small message, Set Apart for Something Special. And you could have your seats. 
I'm going to share with you briefly today on the four callings of God. Now, we live in a time and era where we could communicate very easily. We could communicate. When I was in South Africa, we, we didn't really feel a lot of distance because we would, we would Zoom. How many of you know what Zoom is? Everybody learned what Zoom was during uh, COVID, right? We would Zoom or Messenger video our parents, so it would kind of be like we would see them a lot. Com communication is very, you could call anybody, kind of get a hold of them anytime and anywhere in the world. In fact, you have so many gadgets that when you get a phone call, you have to decline it on your iPad, on your I Apple Watch, on your iPhone, like decline, 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 decline. Am I in the right place? And it's so easy for communication to be taking place in our society today. My kids, they don't understand what a touch phone was. When we talk about a rotary phone, they have no idea. When they talk about a pay phone, my kids are like, Dad, that's old school. But there are so many ways of communication today, and in fact, it is increasing. Communication is very accessible. It is the most accessible that it has ever been in any time in history. It is convenient. But the same way that communication takes place in society today is the same way that God is communicating to you and I, that God is calling individuals, God is calling you to action, that God is calling you to the work that he has specifically designed for your life. If you think that God saved you just to fill a seat in the sanctuary, you have to understand that he's called you for something great. How many of you believe that with me this morning? If you do, just say amen. But he is calling us, and he is calling the drug addict. He is calling the broken mother with no answers. He is calling the father that is trying his best. He is calling the suicidal. The calling of God is going out, and it is going out today more than ever before. The calling is going out this morning. It was going out Friday night as we went to McDonald's for a smoothie, and we seen drug addicts at the McDonald's. In fact, the security guard came out, and she said, what are you doing? And I said, listen, we are, we came for the dope. She's like, what? Yes, we came for those that are hooked to drugs, and they have a problem with addiction because Jesus set us free. We're believing that he can set them free. She said, oh, my God, you, we need this here. Every day I see so many overdoses and what you're doing. And she said, she wasn't even saved. There was a few words I can't repeat here. But the, but, but the calling of God is going forth. And I began to share with him. We talked to her. And so many of the, the other clerk came out. And he says, man, what you guys are doing is needed here. And, and then, you know, we turned it back on them. But God wants to do something in you too. See, the calling of God goes forth. And it's going forth more than ever before. As darkness begins to be more open and darkness begins to be more in your face. Because before, you wouldn't see certain things you see today. I've been a lot of places in the world, and thank God for that. And I've seen a lot of things. I was in, me and Pastor Ray were in San Salvador on a crusade with Naked Cruz, and we've seen some things. But when I went down Methadon Mile or Miracle Mile, because we're going to see miracles come out of that place, not only that place, but out of our universities. That, because, you know, in universities, we have a friend that was in, in University of California, Long Beach. Good young man, got hooked to heroin while he was studying. So it's not just affecting the, 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 the ec different economical levels, uh, uh, you know, like we say, poor poverty levels. It's affecting every level of every life. 
But in the midst of that, where sin abounds, the Bible says grace much more abounds. Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. So when we were walking down that mile yesterday, I felt the presence of the enemy. I felt, man, my stomach was turning. But I began to remind myself, God, you have called us to reach these, this, this uh, uh, epidemic. You have called us to reach these people. In fact, you promised to give us treasures out of darkness. And my God, I'm going to stand on your word. I'm going to stand on your word because your word is true. And the calling of God yesterday went forth as we prayed for people. Now, I'm not going to pray for long for people. But I just pray a simple prayer. Do to them what you've done to me. We're able to believe God. And not only that, wherever we go in the I've been in the subways. And you see drug addiction in the subways. And Working class people just trying to get by and trying to forget about the hardness of life just loaded on the subways. Good people just stuck in sin. But the calling of God, the call, the first call I want to talk to you about is the call to salvation. Romans 3.23, it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It says that all have sinned. You know the ones that say, well, I'm morally good. Do you know the Bible says our moralness is as filthy rags? I, I was raised in a good home, but we didn't know the Lord. The Bible says that is like filthy rags. And if you study that word, it means a very dirty rag. I'm not going to go there, but you, if you really study that word, it's, not, it's, 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 it's uh, something that is looked down upon. Now in John 6, 44, and I'm going to share a little bit of my story this morning. I'm going to interweave it. It says, when Jesus declares that no one comes to him unless the Father draw him, the Greek word for the word draw is the word cute, which literally means to drag. Now listen to this. This drawing is clearly one-sided. It is God who does the drawing to salvation. Now I'm not saying that you don't have a choice or, or those people or individuals do not have a choice to respond. They have to respond to the drawing. But the drawing itself is all on the part of God drawing an individual to himself. Or should I say dragging them to himself. Now put a pause on that. Remember that for a moment. This word is equivalent to a father busting a door down and getting his daughter out of an element that he does, she does not belong in. And dragging her out unwillingly sometimes. It is the same. That, that's what that word means. So. If we look at this, the Apostle Paul writes to them, and, he, and in Galatians, the Apostle Paul, if you read Galatians, you can read on your own. He begins to give the Galatian church his testimony. Did you know the Apostle Paul was a hitman? Did you know that? He was an Israeli mafia. He would hunt Christians down and okay their execution. He begins to tell them, you know my former career. How I persecuted the church. He begins to share with them the transformation that took place. And now everybody, when they look at me, they say, man, pastor, you were in the military, huh? And I'm like, nope. You worked on Wall Street. Nope. Because I know I look good now. Can I get an amen? <laughs> if you're at home, just type in amen. But you didn't see me when I came into this ministry. You didn't see me when I gave my life to the Lord. I, I you know, I look sophisticated now, but... You know, I used to be a gang member from the street of L.A., his rival. Young man, skinny, and then and when our culture, 
you know, we're like 120 pounds with size 50 pants. You know, L.A., they like everything baggy, right? Big old T. I don't know how we got away from the cops. Everything was so big, we trip over our own clothing. But I was raised in the streets, and I was from a gang known, it was, it's a notorious gang even till this day, an old gang, Mexican gang called Comaravilla. It's a big gang, very notorious, very, very violent. And my stepfather was from there. My older brothers were gang members. My sister was a gang member. And when I was 15 years old, my best friend, Spanky, told me these words. I will never leave this neighborhood because, you know, we were territorial. I'll never leave this neighborhood unless it's in the ambulance. A couple weeks later, he was shot, killed, and they took him out of our neighborhood in an ambulance. And I was supposed to be with him that night, 15 years old. He was a little bit old. He was two years older than me. They gunned him down on a payphone. And I didn't realize I was supposed to meet him, but through some inter divine intervention, Something took place and I couldn't make it because I didn't realize at that moment that God was drawing me. Now I'm going to go somewhere with this, so don't, don't, don't lose attention. He was drawing me. He was dragging me. And I didn't even realize it. When I was 18 years old, I was arrested for attempted murder and given a seven-year sentence. And I began to, instead of get better in prison, in California prisons, they're very prison gang orientated. I began to get worse in prison. My mom was a good mom, working Mexican mom, had a good job. She was, my, my stepfather had passed away, so she was raising us alone, me and my brother and sister. And so she was hardly home because she was providing. She was a good mom. But because of that absence, there was a lot of anarchy and a lot of chaos, a lot of darkness that took place in our lives. And I remember when I was 18, I got sent to prison. And in, in our culture, as a young gang member, that's your Harvard. Isn't that, isn't that twisted? Twisted, perverted. To go to prison was our Harvard experience. That's what we were raised as little kids. When you get to prison, you made it. That's how the enemy works in our minds and our gang culture and our lifestyle. And then when I was in there, I did not only was a gang member and involved in different things, but I became a drug addict. To escape the realities of prison, I started using multiple drugs, including heroin. Which in prison, I became a heroin addict. When I was 21 years old, I was only a few months away from being released. I think it was eight months away from being released. And I had an experience, eight months to go home. My mom was a good mom. She said, let us get high at the house. Because my mom's philosophy was this. You could get high at home because at least I know where you're at. At least I know you're safe. That was her way of raising us. She didn't know any better. But one day, I'm about eight months to coming home. I, I used to have tattoos on my face, very much like Matt. The tattoo on my neck, I was... Uh, I had to get them lasered off to, anyways, long story. So my mom comes, and she be, and there was something different about my mom. So if you're a praying parent, I want to encourage you today, don't stop praying. She came in to that prison, and she wasn't, we, we, didn't, we weren't raised in Christianity. My kids are PKs. PKs are pastor's kids. I was a DK. I was a demon's kid. That's what my mom used to say. You're the demon's kid. And we weren't raised in church. But she came in and there was something different about her. There was, and I said, Mom, what's going on? You look happy. You look joyful. She said, listen, son, I met a man. And I said, Mom, you meet a lot of men. <laughs> now, she wasn't like crazy, but she would, she would date. 
you, you date? And she says, no, son, this time is different. I met a man named Jesus. And Jesus told me, son, that he's going to touch your life. And I thought my mom was crazy. I said, mom, wait, are you getting high? Because if you're getting high, I want some of that. And she began to visit me, and every time she began to visit me, she would preach the gospel. She would tell me about a church that was made just for me. There was a home that I could go to because I couldn't come home when I got out. And she began to minister to my life. A few months later, I was supposed to be down on the yard, and something told me to stay inside, which I hated to stay inside. And my friend got his neck slit from ear to ear. If I would have been with him, I would have been a part of that. Because, but I didn't understand that it was God drawing me. He was dragging me. And my mom came to visit me a few weeks. I, 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 um, the guards came and got us because our, was, was, uh, our gang was on the, on the list. So we, we, we had a fight. You know, it was a few of us. We had to fight the whole prison in a sense. And they got me. And I remember getting on my knees in that cell. And I said, God, if you're for real, if you're real, God. With the God that my mom tells me about, if you're for real, if you... Let me get out of this. I can't serve you yet. Because if I'm going to do something, I'm going to give all my heart. That's the kind of drug addict I was. I did everything. But if I make it out of here alive, I'll go to that home that she's telling me about. I didn't know how to talk to God. I was like, hey, homie. In the sky. Hey, big guy. I didn't know how to talk to God. I just got on my knees and I said, God, if you're for real, I'm going to go to that place my mom talks about. If I make it out of here alive, I can't serve you here. It was a genuine prayer. I can't give my heart to you here, but if I make it out, I'll go to that place. My mom comes a few weeks later, and she's happy again. She doesn't know I'm going through the worst time of my life. I don't know if I was going to make it out alive or not. And she sat down and hopping in, and I'm like, I'm kind of depressed. I'm like, what, mom, what are you so happy about? She's like, son, I had a vision. Now I really think she's getting high. And she says, God showed me that you got on your knees, and you cried out to him. And son, guess what? He showed me that you're going to preach the gospel one day. Now, you got to understand something. I didn't understand anything she was saying. She said, one day you're going to preach. I seen you on a stadium preaching the gospel. And I said, Mom, I don't even know if I'm going to make it out of here alive. She says, no, son. God told me you're going to be all right. And I'm praying for you. And there's a church praying for you. There was a Holy Ghost boldness upon my mother. And then all of a sudden, a little encounter. So the dad got home. And see, God was drawing me. And he was dragging me. And guess what he drew me to? And guess what he's going to drag those that have been bound by drugs in Boston? He drug me to salvation. And I came to the house of miracles. I walked into that church doors. And I felt the presence of God for the very first time. And I walked in. And I surrendered my life in 1999. And ever since then, God... God has been faithful. I'm not a drug addict. No. I don't believe in once a drug addict, always a drug addict. I don't believe that you deal with addiction for the rest of it. I've been set free by the power of God. But they put me in that victory home. Now, I didn't know it was a year long. I didn't know they got up at 5 in the morning and prayed. My mom didn't tell me that. I didn't know I couldn't smoke cigarettes. I didn't know I couldn't do a lot of things. But I, was, I needed change, and God drug me to a house. And when I looked around that home, there was men like me, and 
I said, man, God, if you could do it for them, then maybe there's hope for me. And I would hear them pray, and they would be crying and say, God, get a hold of my life. God, do something with me. I'm nothing. I'm nobody. I'm an outcast. But if you could use my life, then I'll do whatever you want. That's what I would hear them pray, and then I started praying like them, and I started reading my Bible, and, and all of a sudden, a transformation began to take place. Transformation, the call to salvation came, but then when I went to that victim, the call to sanctification. You know what's going to impact the world is a holy church. Not holier than now, but when you walk into Starbucks, everybody says, man, there's something different here. Has that ever happened to you? When you walk into your job, people... All of a sudden, there's a shift in the atmosphere. The, you know they sing songs like that, but when we walk into places, the people know you're a Christian. When I went into that home, God began to sanctify me. He began to set me apart. He began to make me holy. He began to make me a dedicated and consecrated object for a purpose for him. I didn't know that. I didn't understand that. But Paul writes that after his salvation, he went to the, to the disciples, and then for three years, he was separated and he was hidden away. And that victory home hides the men and women away. And God's able to get in their lives. And God is able to become real to them. I began to hear the voice of God. I began to sense, be sensitive to the moving of the Holy Spirit. I didn't understand a whole lot of stuff. I just knew that I needed something different. And I found what I was looking for. God began to separate me in that victory home. God began to separate me in that home. Now, our homes aren't perfect. There was guys that were playing around. They'd be in the back getting high. But my home director was a man of God, and he would say, Danny, you could be like them, or you could let God do something special in your life. He began to separate me in that home, and then he began to saturate me with his presence. Man, we would get down in prayer. Man, I, I never cried before. All of a sudden, tears would come. And I said, God, I don't know why you chose me. But it's, you know why I felt like that? Because he was saturating me in his presence. When we go down to these places, the presence of God needs to be with us. We got to take the presence of God with us. That's what's going to touch people's lives. That's what's going to set them free. When they sense the presence of God upon our lives. Then he began to surround me with his men. See, some of us, God has great things for us, but because we hang around the wrong people. Negative people, people that, I always tell the men, you are who you hang out with. You hang around people that are always talking things about the ministry, about your pastor, about God, then you're hanging around the wrong people. Don't get me wrong, we love them and we try to minister, but I love from a distance sometimes. I love you, but just stay on that side, amen. Am I in the right place? No, maybe not. And then also, as, I, as sanctification began to happen, and they sang that beautiful song, I love that song. Surrenderance. This is where he, the Lord... This is where he became Lord of my life and not just Savior. I surrendered. I had an agenda. I wanted to get a church girl before I was married. I wasn't married when I came to ministry. I want, God, I want a church girl. I want a good job, and I want to stay out of jail. That was my prayer list. And I began to submit that to God. I submit my prayer list to you. But the moment I submitted myself to him, God said, you wanted those things, but I have so much more for you. I began to surrender and and all of a sudden he says this, and I've called you to preach the gospel. You're going to travel the world. You're going to be a leader to a nation that does not know you. A people that do not know you shall run to you. He began to give me promises in his word. The more I surrendered my life, the more I surrendered, God began to give me promises. And all of a sudden I've seen the blessings of God upon my life. Because then the next step came is the call to service. 
Apostle Paul says in Galatians, he says, then I began my ministry. After his time of separation, God began to use him in his ministry. After I finished that men's or after they kicked me out, I went into the youth ministry. And thank God for youth ministry because I met my wife there. Amen. But our youth ministry was explosive. It was, man, it was so dynamic. And I said, God, I want to do that. I want to be a part of that. And, and I, that's where I learned. I, began, I became an usher. Some of us want to be great, but we can't do the little things. And they didn't listen to me. Then, then my youth pastor said, Danny, I need you to do security. I said, why? Because I have tattoos? He's like, no, because God's raising you up. So he was smart. Yeah. God's raising you up. Will you do it? And I said, yes, I'll do it. Then, then I was there, built it. And, you know, security in youth ministry is not easy. I was chasing kids all over that campus, man. I felt like the police. I was like, my God. And then they said, Danny, we need you to lead the evangelism in the, in the youth ministry. So we would do evangelism, outreaches into gang-infested, drug-infested areas. And the whole church would come out. And the, gang, the youth ministry was leading the church in rallies and outreaches and doing big crusades. And then all of a sudden they said, listen, Danny, we need you to go to El Salvador. And I said, what? And they sent me to El Salvador, and every morning we prayed. We thought we were going to die. But I said, God, before I die, let me preach to somebody. Before they shoot me, it was pretty violent there. Then they said, Danny, we need you to go to Europe. And I said, my, I'm going to Europe? And then our ministry, we don't go to the nice places. We get off that plane. That pastor takes us to the hood. We're like, where's, where's the drug addicts at? Where's the, the, the need at? Where's the places we need to reach out to? Where? So we don't get to do a lot of tourism. We go into the places that have need, and we go into the, to the areas, even if it's colleges that are being impacted by drug addiction. But the call to service began to be unfold for my life. I began to see a lot of places will say, well, you know, the, that's good. You're just a little drug addict. But our pastor said, no, you're not just an ex-drug addict. You're a preacher. You're a man of God in the making. You're a world shaker. God's going to do something great. And we began to believe that. We began to read God's word, and I, I, I set foot on other nations. They sent me to Scotland. They sent me to England. Just a little Mexican boy from East L.A. I, I couldn't even talk that good. I couldn't even preach that good. But they sent me because they seen something special in my life. And then all of a sudden they said, Danny, we need you to run our victory home. And I had a good job with an office, two phones, a landline, extension number, and a good paying job. And I said, I'll leave it all for you, Lord. My pastor called me one day. I was in the office. I, I just, they just got me off my, at my office. And I said, man, if my homeboys could see me now. <laughs> I got two phones. <laughs> and then my pastor calls and said, Danny, we need you to run the victory home. Will you do it? I didn't say how much you're going to pay me. In fact, I knew they weren't going to pay me nothing. I had, a, I had two kids. I had one kid, my wife. And all of a sudden, I looked around my office and I said, if it wasn't for you, God, I would have none of this. So I said, Pastor, yes, I'll run that victory home. Yes, me and my wife will move into a small little room so we could facilitate 50 men, 60 men, and we'll do it because I'm grateful for what God has done in my life. Then a few years later, they said, Daddy, we need you to run our Bible school in Connecticut. I said, where? He said, Connecticut. So for two years, I had the worst winters of my life. <laughs> New England is no joke. And I'm a summer boy. My wife loves the cold. I'm the opposite. So I would see the sun, and we'd be in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and the sun would come out, and we look up, me and my, little, my boys were little, we look outside, and all oh, the sun's out. We go outside, we're, like, you know, we're, you know, we're Southern California, so they have tank tops in the winter. We're running outside, and then it's ice cold. I'm like, why is the sun even out? 
So we experienced the winters in New England. Then we went back to our home church a few years later. Then a call came again. Listen, we want you to go to Australia, Danny. Will you be willing to go and leave the comforts of America? And I said, yes, we'll go. I, we'll talk to you. I said, I don't need to talk tomorrow. We've been praying for this for many years. So yes, we'll go. And then we met with our founder. And our founder says, listen, you could go to Australia, but there's a great move of God in South Africa. I said, where? South where? South Africa. Will you go to South Africa? Yes, pastor. He says, no, ask your wife. I said, no, I don't need to ask my wife. We've been praying for this for a long time. Two months later, we were on a plane to South Africa. And for, we were supposed to stay two years, we stayed seven years. Planted two churches, two, four recovery homes, two for men and two for women. The church began to explode, all because the call to service came, and I just kept saying yes to God. And then one more time, the call, my pastor said, what do you want to do now? You're back from South Africa. And I said, there's a city on the East Coast, pastor. I've been praying about it. I've been looking at it. And there's a problem, and there's a need that needs to be addressed. I want to go to Boston, Massachusetts. He said, where? And I said, Pastor, I've been to Methadone Mile. I've been in that city. And there's a great need in that city, Pastor. If you look at the Boston Globe or you look at different things, not only the, 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 the hardcore, but the college students, the, the, the intellects are turning to opiates. We need to go to Boston, Pastor. And he came with me. And I didn't know Boston. But you know how God works, right? So I got my pastor's hotel. I said, Pastor, I'll take care of you. I got him his hotel. He said, no, no, I'll do it. I said, no, Pastor, you're coming to my city. I'm going to take care of you. So, but I put him right here on the Hampton Inn on, uh, on Washington. And, uh, oh, no, where is it? At? You know the Hampton Inn, right? And then my pastor's cool. We know the vision. He's cool. Like, but when we got there, I, was, I seen all the drug addicts right there. like, oh, my God, he's in the right place. <laughs> That's how funny God works. I said, Pastor, you don't even have to just look out your window. You'll see them right there. We went to Dunkin' Donuts on Mass Avenue. This is what impacted my pastor. He said, Daddy, I need coffee. At 9 o'clock in the morning, we'll go to get coffee. Right here on Mass Avenue. Now, we're Californians. We don't really do Dunkin' Donuts. So this is a, mir this is a miracle we even went to Dunkin' Donuts. And in Dunkin' Donuts, there was a young man there. Standing outside. About 22 years old. Tall, white kid. That was so loaded. He was just bent over. He was just bent over like that for at least a good five minutes. And my heart went out and I said, I said, man, let me pray for you. He said, no, he started moving. He said, no, no. I began to pray for him. Let me pray for him. And I said, Pastor, you've got to come. How many more individuals are like that? How many more, God? Am I pleading you this morning? Is we can't be so numb. Not only to drug addiction, but to, to sin. We can't be so numb that we don't let God use our lives. How many of you know that God has set you apart for something special? That God wants to use your life. I don't care how old you are or how young you are, if you've been on drugs, if you haven't. If, but maybe there's an assignment God has for you and you were suicidal, you were depressed. Maybe whatever it is, maybe you're in college and God wants you to do a ministry on the college campuses. Because they need to hear about Jesus. They need to hear about the wonder, miracle working power. When the institutions don't have answers. When, when, when the, the, the medicines don't have answers. We know who has the answer for every situation. And my friend, that answer is Jesus. It's not 
victory outreach. It's not Lion of Judah, but thank God he chose to use us. Thank God he set us up. Am I in the right place this morning? God wants to use your life. 